to the Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown. Because this week's episode starts in three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. We are your hosts, Amber and the beautiful Jenna Penrose. <laughs> You're like, Jenna? Wait, I'm like, is, is she me? talking about me? I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> there she is. And today we have Amy Raup on with us today, exploring this fascinating concept of how our emotional body can manifest as physical imbalances. Amy, thank you so much for being on with us today. Well, thank you guys. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get deeper into today's topic, we are really excited to tell you about this episode's sponsor. Ready? Drumroll. Jenna, you can't do drumroll. <laughs> Beauty counter. Yay! Beauty Counter has partnered with MLF to help you support our podcast when you buy the best clean makeup out there. It's a win-win situation. More on this later, but for now, go to themotherlovingfuture.com and click on the Beauty Counter link to get all of the good stuff. All right, Jenna, do you have a definition of emotional blockage equals physical symptom for us? I do. So this is my definition of emotional blockage equals physical symptom. Oftentimes, we find that our bodies manifest physical disease symptoms without any known Western medical cause. This could range from things like headaches, coughs, stomach upsets, to autoimmune conditions or skin conditions, hormonal imbalances, or even life-threatening diagnoses like cancer. Eastern and energy medicine teach us that these physical manifestations are often, if not always, rooted in, um, in an emotional blockage usually stemming from unprocessed trauma somewhere in the soul history or family lineage of the sufferer. We can take our health back into our own hands by understanding this and taking the necessary steps to ensure our emotional, physical, energetic circuitry remains unblocked and flowing through spiritual practice such as yoga and breathwork and by doing the hard work to face our hidden emotional stagnations. That was beautiful. Love it. Amy Raup is a woman's health and wellness expert and the author of three books. She is a licensed acupuncture and herbalist in private practice in New York, and she holds a master's of science degree in traditional oriental medicine from Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and a bachelor's degree in biology from Rutgers University. As a neurobiology research scientist in her 20s, Amy began experiencing personal health issues. Frustrated by Western medicine's inability to provide answers and unable to find relief, Amy sought solutions from Eastern medicine. She began acupuncture treatment and discovered how a mind-body nutrition approach was key to overcoming her illness and maintaining her long-term good health. And she's helped a lot of other people do the same. So thank you so much for being with us today, Amy. Thank you. Oh, the best person in the world to discuss this topic with. How did you come to understand the relationship between your emotions and physical body? Oh, personally, how did I become to understand it? Yeah. Um, What's your story? What's my story? Gosh. Um, you know, I think you just made me think of something when you were reading my bio and and I feel like this will this will help answer that question, but when I was a, a neuroscience researcher, what I was researching was Alzheimer's disease, right? I was um was at a great university on a great team and we were growing these, you know, rat hippocampal, so part of the rat brain cells in a petri dish. And then we would put these this protein in it to see if it would cause those Alzheimer's plaques. And so to try to figure out what the heck was causing these plaques in, in these Alzheimer brains. And it was interesting research, but at the same time, what was going on in my personal life was that my grandmother was actually in a nursing home with Alzheimer's disease. And she was always a really like quick-witted, together lady. And, you know, kind of came on, uh, I guess, somewhat aggressively around in her early 70s. 
And one thing my dad, it it was my dad's mom. And one thing he would always talk about was that she was depressed, you know, prior to this coming on and she had lost her job and, you know, her boyfriend had passed away and she was eating very poorly and she just wasn't doing all the things she used to do. And, and he was convinced that this was completely an emotional, you know, manifestation, if you will, the, the physical disease. Interesting. And, and it, it was actually a trigger for my career shift because I kept, you know, we would have these team meetings and everybody would present what they found in the labs. And I kept saying, you know, and I was, I was the only woman in a room full of like 15 men. And uh, I was the only one who went to like a state school. These were all like Ivy league grads. And um, I kept saying, you know, guys, I think we're not looking at all the variables. I don't think it's just this one thing that's happening in the Petri dish that's causing these plaques in the Alzheimer brains. You know, and I would kind of use my grandmother as an example. I was like, what else is going on in their life? And and they, they didn't really want to deal with me, I think is the, the answer. Um, you know, when he, when he moved her out into the home, like he basically saw that all she'd been eating was like chocolate donuts or something like Entenmann's chocolate donuts, you know? And so my dad would always talk about these donuts and her depression and, and that led to Alzheimer's, you know? And I mean, that was his, he was coping obviously, but, um, but it really started to get me to start to think outside the box. We're not looking at all the variables in someone's life. We're just looking at this one piece, you know, this, this protein and what it causes in the brain. And, and my, my mentor, you know, he, he ran our lab and it was a couple different labs that would come together for these talks. And after it was one of those conversations and he saw that I was, I was uh, outwardly frustrated because I just didn't feel heard. And I just kind of felt very, very brushed um, over. And he pulled me aside and he had said to me, he said, you know, I just, I really think you have way too much compassion to enter into this field. You know, I, my plan was Oh to- my God. Medicine? Too much compassion well, for medicine? So he was, now keep in mind, he was a retired dean of the medical school. Um, and he, he said to me, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get out and you're going to practice and you're going to wind up prescribing and you're, you're not going to have time to dig into these variables with these patients. And he said, I think you're going to find a lot of frustration. And at the time, his wife was going through um, some health issues herself and they were using acupuncture as an adjunct to her, her treatments. And he was really fascinated with Chinese medicine. He was reading this popular book called The Web That Has No Weaver. So he gave me that book in that conversation. And he was just like, I think you should look into this medicine. It is the way future is going. He's like, you would be incredible because he, he was basically witnessing that I had this holistic viewpoint. And he he said, he's like, it's too compartmentalized. In this world, you're, you're never going to feel satisfied. Like he was really protecting me. And it was this real mm-hmm. shifting, you know, moment in my life that, you know, and then one thing led to another and I wound up, um, I wound up enrolling in, in the Chinese medicine program that was just down the street, basically. And, you know, but it was this, this thing that I was witnessing in my, you know, personal world that there was this emotional, I think this real emotional shift that happened in my grandmother that, you know, she probably had the genetic predispositions towards Alzheimer's and maybe, you know, her lifestyle wasn't supporting it, but what caused it to come on so aggressively and so quickly, you know, that took everybody by surprise because it wasn't the very aggressive gene that happens in the forties, you know, she was still in her seventies. So senility, you know, but it set in very quickly and to begin mm-hmm. to see that there was this emotional correlation. And I remember one of my first days at, uh, you know, at the orientation of the Chinese medical program. And now they said that every single disease, dis-ease, disharmony, discomfort, right? We break up the word into two words, dis and ease, um, has an emotional correlation. There, there is no separation. There's always an emotional piece to a physical manifestation. And that our primary job as practitioners of Chinese medicine is to help figure, help that the client figure that out. You know, and I was taught by one of my teachers, if you listen, the patient will tell you exactly what they need and how they need to be treated. You know, your job is to listen. And so you, you pick up these pieces and you can really start to put it together of, okay, what happened to you emotionally when the back pain started or when the migraines kicked in, right? I had a girl in last night with, you know, all of a sudden her migraines have come back. She's just gotten married she's changing jobs. She's like lost all the weight, all this weight for the wedding has gained it back. She's been traveling a lot. There's pressure to have a child. There's all of a sudden, you know, and her head, her head's literally about to explode, right. With all the things that now are happening in her life. And so of course I, 
I did acupuncture based on what I felt in her pulses and, you know, relieved some pressure in her neck and in her head. But we had a really good talk and she had a really good cry and just admitted to me that she really felt overwhelmed with all that was on her shoulders. Like she, no joke said that, you know, and it, mm-hmm. you, you know, you just step back and I just think we, we move so fast and we don't always connect the dots that there's this mm-hmm. emotional piece to probably every single one of our physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. Oh, so well, well um, so I have so many like, questions based on everything you said because it was so brilliant. But one, one, I'll start with, um, you know, with doctors, even though they don't, they're not meds, Western medical doctors, even though they're not thinking about these emotional causalities, yeah. they don't. What do they have to say about the why? You know, like for example, with the if there's a certain protein on the brain which is causing Alzheimer's, then why? Like the question is, why would it appear in certain brains at certain times, and why not in other brains? You know, and so I feel like it never gets down to the why. It kind of just gets to the there is, exactly. but there is never gets to the why. That's exactly. what she was saying That's that we, we don't have time to get to the root cause. Yeah. We don't have time to listen, really listen and get to the root cause. Just prescribe and move on is what the, how right. I translated what you said, the doctor said to you. It was more trying to mimic so then we could backtrack and understand, you know, basically, okay, can we, can we give them something that dissolves the protein? But, you know, we say in Chinese medicine too, right? Um, a perfect example is someone gets their gallbladder removed because they had, you know, bile duct issues or something like that. And it's like, okay, there was stagnation in the gallbladder. It, there was some issue with the function of that organ. And the, the Western mentality is like, just go in, take it out, right? That's what you do. We can live without our gallbladder. And what we say is, well, the stagnation is just going to find another home because you still didn't resolve the issue, you know, um, mm-hmm. so totally. it's, it's that same totally. thing of just, it's, it's a very much a bandaid approach rather than, you know, I mean, it's just the over prescribing of sleep medications and then anxiety medications. And I do, I mean, uh, I'm the first one to say, if you need it, you need it. And, and I do think there's a, a important role for people with mental health issues to get the right support a hundred percent. And these medications can be life-saving, but wouldn't it also be great if we at the same time got them, you know, working through any of the emotional blockages? Like, why do you, when, when did the sleep issues start? Why did they start? What happened mm-hmm. in your life? What are you holding on to? What are you not processing? You know, we say uh, when there's insomnia, right? It's, it's basically like the, the spirit can't descend. It can't settle. It can't rest. And so that means there's, you know, mm-hmm. there's a couple of reasons for that, but, but mainly it's this, too much kind of chaos in the body. And you know, so it's all this unprocessed, you know, emotions typically that is at the root of a lot of sleep issues or anxiety issues, right? We're stifling things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, medications can be useful, but again, it's a band-aid. you know, it's just like putting a girl on the birth control pill when she's got, you know, horrible migraines and, and heavy periods and she's 16, right? I'll just put her on the pill. It'll, it'll work itself out. No, that's like the worst thing you could do. Um, <laughs> we all know that one. Yeah, and then they're on it till they're mm-hmm. thirty-two, and then they wind up in my office because they're having a hard time trying to get pregnant, you know. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, that's another episode. But um, <laughs> um, <laughs> know all about that one too. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's so it is. It's it's it, we're we're quick to to blanket and and not to say that it's not a fix because quote unquote sure the the patient does feel better for the short term, but then now we're dealing with you know, boatloads of people being addicted to sleep medications or anxiety medications and having to get them off that. I mean, it's really problematic. And no one And, and also, sorry, go ahead. No, no, sorry. You're totally right. I was just going to say, it's just even just hearing you say, you know, like if you have sleep issues that could be ca- caused by chaos in, this, in the body or mind, that's unprocessed emotion. It just, it makes sense. Like when you hear that, you know, someone has a lot of pressure and so their head feels like they're going to explode. Like that to me seems like a causality that is so close and so obvious that it should make perfect sense. Whereas when I hear about, you know, medical research where you're, t- where you're taking pieces of hippocampal rat brain and adding some protein to it, it just seems so much further removed from the human, from the human experience, from any sort of anything that that makes sense in in the equation, you know? 100%. I mean, that's even the problem. There's, there's a lot of problems with research, but that's even the problem with these epidemiological studies, which are so popular these days, um, where you're just 
you're not looking at all the variables. There's so many variables in each individual's mm-hmm. life, not let alone the, the mm-hmm. variability, the variables in their genetic makeup and predisposition. So you cannot step back and say red meat causes cancer because we saw it in this population. Do you know what I mean? It's just so skewed. The science is so skewed mm-hmm. and, and it's just unfortunate. There are gold standards and I think there are very good medical um, research studies set up, but a lot of, you know, especially these days with all the, the news, you know, the hours they have to fill in the news. I mean, there's just so much hype around so many things that are just so misrepresented and poorly, poorly studied in a, in a research. Well, you, Amy, are rooting for an entire new lens on this whole mm-hmm. idea of health and the interconnectedness of body, mind and spirit. As you said, I love how the Chinese philosophy you were saying incorporates the spirit as well and oh, the so- role that plays in your health and your emotions and all of that makes sense. I, I want to ask you about Louise Hay's famous book, You Can Heal Your Life. Did you go bonkers when you first yeah, read that book? Yeah, I want to ask you your idea on how Louise Hay has very specific correlations between a particular emotion and then an exact physical symptom. Mm -hmm. And I'm not quite sure how she makes those, she connects those dots, but they're very specific. So can, I'd love to know your thoughts on that and your roadmap to decode what emotion the physical symptom is connected to. Well, you know, I'd have to have her book in front of me and then, but I'm assuming knowing, you know, I didn't know her personally, but I, I feel like I know her spiritually. Um, her train of thought is, you know, she probably looked at, at ancient medicine. So she probably looked at Ayurvedic and mm-hmm. she probably looked at Chinese medicine because she was so fascinated with both of them and, you know, really incorporated that into her daily practices. Um you know, so for Chinese medicine, each organ does have, uh, you know, I guess you would call it like a, a positive emotion and a not so positive emotion, you know, so the, the kidneys are fear or trauma, you know, that's the negative and then the positive is courage, right? And um, the spleen is, is worry or overthinking and the positive is, you know, I guess I would say clarity, right? And the liver is anger and frustration and the positive is this like chill flow attitude right so every organ has these you know so you can kind of see you know i study with a mentor and you know whenever um stress worsens a condition you know it's automatic liver is involved like that's it's like she, i always hear her say it liver's involved liver's involved you know stress worsens liver's involved you know so treat the liver you know and you just you, this is how we start to think right and if i see a lot of anxiety or sleep issues the heart's involved because the heart's job is to house the spirit at night and if the spirit is very restless and unsettled whether that's all day in you know in the form of anxiety or at night when there's uh, sleep issues okay so there's something that the, the heart is either blocked or it's malnourished and it just it's not inviting to the spirit it doesn't want to stay there so so that's how we look at things and if i see physical symptoms i think there's some chinese texts that will talk about low back pain means the kidneys are weak and or the, you know there's fear or trauma or if you go gray at a young age that could be a fear or trauma situation um if tendons and ligaments are weak then we say okay the liver blood is deficient so we have these general associations but as I've been taught, you know, by my mentor that I study with fairly recently to not um, stick or hold too tightly to those because each patient in each case is very different. So you take it into consideration when you're looking at the whole picture of the case. Um, but, you know, like I had a girl in the clinic uh, last week and she's gone through a uh, you know, a hell of a ride trying to get pregnant and, and fertility treatments and, you know, and nothing's been successful. Right. And, and she's very sad and, and traumatized by the whole experience. And her last IVF procedure was, was unsuccessful. And she had a lot of anger and resentment towards the doctors and feeling like they, they missed something. Right. And so anyway, she was in and she had just gotten her period. And so, you know, she's now trying naturally and feels, feels good about it. Um, and she was upset she had gotten her period and she was telling me how she was getting this like left-sided ovarian pain with her period. And, you know, I was asking her, trying to get more information, 
because I thought it was a little strange because typically you feel ovarian pain when you're ovulating, not really when you're menstruating. And so, you know, I was just digging deeper. And then she said, I said, well, what do you think it is? Because that's something I always ask my clients. And she said, you know, something popped in my head the other day, but it sounds crazy. I can't even, I don't even think I want to say it out loud. And I said, just say it. And she said, well, when I was doing that last IVF and he was retrieving from this ovary, you know, I just remember how, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't get all the eggs out. And, and it was like, she was half awake during the process or whatever. And how angry she got at the doctor because she felt like he wasn't trying hard enough. So this is what she says to me. And she says, do you think it's scar tissue from that? And I said, maybe, you know, but in my head, I already, I think, associated that I think it was just a traumatic experience, you know, and she was holding the trauma there. So anyway, I get her on the table and I, you know, I, I palpate that left side and it's really, it's, it's not tender to touch. Um, and I go equally deep on the right side and neither are tender to touch. But when I needle the left side, she says, that, you know, I really felt that. Um, and I, I just said to her, I said, I want you to visualize that experience. You know, I want you to see that doctor again. And I want you to like stand up outside and look at yourself and you know, look at yourself and know that you were doing the best you could do with, with all the information you had. And then also look at the doctor and know that he was, he wanted the same end result that you wanted. And he was trying his best and his hardest. And he probably was poking a little bit more than he should have, but because he wanted to give you the most bang for your buck and get all these eggs out. And, you know, then she just kind of exploded in tears. And, you know, I talked to her about forgiveness for the doctor and for herself in that situation. And, um, you know, I saw her again yesterday and then she no longer, you know, she hasn't felt that pain since that last episode. And it really stirred up a lot for her because she said, I was holding on so tight and I was so angry and I was angry at myself. I was angry at my ovaries. I was angry at my doctor, you know, and it was, it was this big opening for her. Um, and so could there have been some physical stagnation there? Sure. Maybe, you know, but, um, I don't know that there would be much scar tissue from how they go and retrieve those uh, follicles. So I do think it was more emotional than anything else. Right. And so you, you see those things and you, you know, you, you draw the attention to it. And um, I feel like you give clients or patients a vehicle or an avenue to really release where they're holding this trauma in their body. I love mm -hmm. that. And I love Amy that, you you also drew this um, concept that it's not just an emotional issue manifesting as a physical blockage. Sure, that could be the initial route, which is going to be my next question to you. But it could also be focusing on the physical issue and allowing that to ease the mm -hmm. emotional stagnation around that particular issue. So it's this beautiful dance between the emotional and physical body, which leads me to the next question. Do you think that hands down every single physical issue is originally rooted in an emotional blockage or do you think that perhaps it's vice versa or do you think that it's a dance between the two of them? What, what's your concept about that? Yeah, no. And we're talking about chronic, chronic right. issues, not something like a gunshot, which clearly yeah, well, that's is what like, I was thinking oh of, God. like a car accident. No, right? You know, um, you got hit and you got injured, but then it becomes a chicken or an egg thing. It doesn't really matter after a while because if the condition continues and does not heal you start to get resentful towards the situation. And, you know, then there's this unpacking that eventually has to happen. So I do think with chronic issues, yes, absolutely. There's emotional pieces. You know, I talk about that a lot in body belief. And, you know, I think one of the biggest ones is whether people realize it or not, whether they want it or not, they become very identified by their chronic issue. And it becomes a part, it has to, it becomes a part of their everyday life because they're thinking about how they're improving it or what, you know, what doctor appointment or what diet they're following, what supplement they're going to try, right? So it becomes a huge part of their identity. And then it becomes really challenging mm -hmm. to separate the physical from the emotional because it gets so intertwined. And so a lot of the work you have to do, or, you know, I guess uh, clinicians need to do with their clients that have chronic conditions is talking to their patient about, are you willing to let go of this part of your identity? As much as you hate it or despise it or can't wait for it to go away, it has also become deeply entwined in your everyday life. So are you mm -hmm. willing, you know, it's just like anything, right? Um, 
if you went through a traumatic experience, you hold on, that memory is hard to shift away from. And so it's easy mm. for you to get triggered again, right? So there's still a piece of it in you. It's like a shard of trauma that's still in you. And so you have to then start to look, you know, I, I guess almost like from a grander perspective of what would my life look like without this? And and that's going to feel scary. It's going to feel different. And am I am I open to that possibility, right? So so yeah, I think they they get deeply intertwined with the chronic conditions. Obviously, if there's, um, you know, I hurt my knee running in a race because I wore the wrong shoes. Like, no, I don't think there was an emotional piece there, right? You know, I got pissed at myself for wearing the wrong shoes, but um, I worked through that already, you know. And uh, but it's, um, I don't think there was an emotional piece there, right? So you know, I think you can delineate quite clearly, but I, I do think with the chronic stuff, absolutely, there's um, or the the repetitive, right? The same, uh-huh. the same migraine, right? I get a migraine every mm-hmm. time this happens, or you know, it's like, okay, what else is going on? There's there's something else going on here, you know, and and a lot of times we don't even realize it is going on because we're we're just going through our motions in our day, you know. Um, kind of numbed out. So, you know, when we reconnect to our bodies, which again, I talk about a lot in body belief, that's when you start to hear the cues from your body and you really start to learn what it's saying to you and when, and then how to begin to shift it. Well, I love how you mentioned visualization as a tool to allow someone to uh, disassociate with that ailment that has become part of their identity like imagining are you willing to imagine your day your life your moment without associating yourself with the fatigue or with the the headaches or whatever it may be the extra wound the you know i mean right the, the chronic condition i mean there's just so so many pieces it is it's um and as much as people say I don't want this anymore. I can't wait to get rid of it. I can't wait to move past it. It's it's also all they it's know. Feeding it energy. Yeah. So it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sorry. People. I was just gonna say people are scared of the they unknown, are. even if it's something that could be better. They're just they're used to what they're used to, and that almost seems less scary sometimes, like unconsciously. Too. And also, you know, scared of failure too, right? So it's a defense mechanism. Like I have one girl who. You know, when she sees, when she gets her period, she asked me the other day, so I get my period and I, I actually feel somewhat relieved because I, maybe I don't want to be a mom and I, and I don't, maybe, I mean, it's worth, we, we, we explored that conversation for certain, but she said, do you think I'm preventing myself from getting pregnant because I have this deep fear of becoming a mom? I mean, yes and no, you know, but I think more so what you're doing is really, it's just a defense mechanism because you're so scared to get excited about getting pregnant because you've been trying for however long that, you know, you you almost talk yourself into the other thing. And I feel like we do that with so many things in our life, right? You know, and that's, we start to put ourselves in these little boxes without even realizing it, you know, and we're getting our own way as, as my spiritual teacher would say. And Mm-hmm. Oh, we're our own we worst are. enemies, all of us. We are. You know, but that's also really empowering to know that, I think, because then mm-hmm. you can get out of your own way. You can start to choose a different pattern. You know, it's it's really just rewiring the brain because you're so used to going down that one pathway. You know, you have the feeling or the emotion, right? The period comes, boom, you go down that pathway. And instead you could say, oh, well, you know, I'm open. And that was what her and I worked on. I'm open to the possibility of of being pregnant and I'll, you know, I have the right support and I'll figure it out when I get there. Right. So just this starting to tune in and then talk back to yourself of, but what it could change and that might be scary, but I would figure it out. And there's other people that have gone through it and I could too. And yeah, that is scary. It's scary to think about change, but I think I could handle it. Right. And you just start to like encourage and, and um, coax yourself into the other side. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm just going to interject here for one second because I think this is, you know, speaking of changing habits for the better, I feel like this is a great time to mention this week's sponsor, Beauty Counter, non-toxic makeup, the best in the world. We are so excited about our partnership with Beauty Counter because as you guys might have noticed, a lot of other podcasts are just asking you to donate money via their Patreons or just support them financially. And, you know, 
We, uh, Amber and I put our love, sweat, and tears into this podcast. We do not get paid for it. We put our own money in. We do have some sponsors, but um, we love Beauty Counter for giving us an opportunity for you to support our podcast in an equal exchange when you purchase, like Amber said, the best makeup out there. Mm -hmm. And every dollar goes back into the show to keep it running, just to be clear. Unfortunately, we don't have salaries for ourselves yet. (laughs) More on this later, but for now, go to the shop tab at themotherlovingfuture.com. And if you're in the mood for clean, non-toxic beauty, click the link to buy this clean makeup while supporting this podcast. Thank you. Getting back into it. I, I know that we all have a story about an emotional blockage that's been physically manifested. And I'm interested to know everybody's story around that and also your process in once you recognize that there's this physical issue, how what's your process to trace it back to the emotional root cause and then focus on unwinding that? And I know, Amy, you spoke about visualization. You spoke about reframing things. It's a brain neuron, you know, connection. I'd love to explore some other tools as well as you're stepping us through your personal emotional, physical manifestation and the process you go. And I know, Jenna, you are experiencing some right now. And I mm-hmm. have had I many of uh, an emotional, physical manifestation. So, Wait, so why don't who, one of you guys to- give me give me your situation and I'll use you as the... Um- the guinea pig. The guinea pig to show Jenna. the tools because I don't even know if I can put names on the tools. I'll just do it as I do it in the clinic. Excellent. <laughs> Jenna, I know you are currently suffering yeah. from this exact situation, so go for it. Okay, so there, there's there's a couple things. Okay, so I have this overarching chronic issue around my throat, and um, I think it extends down into my lungs, but it's, it's a mostly a throat um, issue, and that can affect... Uh, it could cause sore, sore throats. It can make me feel like there's a blockage in my throat, like actually like, like a, like a kind of like a mucal obstruction yeah. sort of feeling. It could cause, um, it cause, I, I have really bad teeth grinding at night where I've ground down my teeth to like little nubs mm. kind of, not really, yeah. but okay. pretty close. And, um, you know, that could cause like pressure headaches around my jaw, a lot of dental problems, my, um, my gums are like slightly inflamed. Um, then I've been, I got sick a couple of weeks ago and I have like, a, I had a sore throat that lasted longer than all the other symptoms and now a bit of a cough. So I, I have some ideas of why I have this issue. Um, so we could talk about that, but there's another little issue, which I'm just going to mention, which I cannot figure out. Okay. And that is a chronic patch of eczema. I only have one patch of eczema on my whole body and it's on my oh, wedding no. on my on my <laughs> wedding ring finger Uh-oh. okay and I know it seems like it should be obvious that it should be some problem with my husband but I've really searched yeah. this this issue and I've talked about my husband openly about this and I really don't know what it is because I don't feel like there's anything that's unspoken unsaid or unprocessed really between us so, and I want to be able to wear my wedding ring yeah. and I can't. So, I mean, it could be, you know, very um, obvious that, that maybe, you know, it's, it's too tight or your skin has changed. Um, suddenly you have an allergy to the, the metal. There could be something like that. Um, I think though I am sensitive to metal in general. Like I don't really, can't really wear metal and it jewelry could just that, be that right often. now you have like you're under the weather, you're not functioning at your full capacity. And so the eczema is flared up, but not necessarily that um, the eczema is telling us too much other than you're, you know, I would say, right, you're probably a little um, blood deficient and, and maybe chi deficient. And then, but the the grinding and the um, the gum stuff and the throat stuff, it's, um, so the, the feeling of like something stuck in your throat, we usually say is something called plum pit chi in Chinese medicine. And it basically means like, uh, you know, it's repressed emotions. It's something unexpressed. And so it, it doesn't mean though, and then I would go with the, the throat and the, the voice stuff of you're you're not speaking up enough for yourself, but it could also be, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't, I don't know you personally at all. Um, but it it could be, but I know your mom and I know your wife and I know you run a business. I would, 
I would venture to say you just might have too much on your plate and not enough time for yourself. So you just are constantly putting your own needs, like you're just kind of pushing them down and, and you're there for everyone else constantly. And then the lung is the organ of grief. And so you might be grieving that or grieving what, you know, not, there's nothing wrong with your current life. I'm sure you love it and you know, everything's great. So it's not that, but just, it's a transition time. And so there's, you know, there's kind of an upheaval and there's a new version of you that's about to come out too. So I, I, that's my sense of like, there's something in you and even the skin stuff is like an eruption from the inside. And so is the, the heat in the gums. That's, you know, I, I usually see that as like a heart heat and the grinding at night. Um, so, you know, practices I would. And there is. There is a there's a cre- a crack in my tongue yeah. like right where the over the lungs. Yeah, so so I, it doesn't extend to the so tip. to me it's um I would go with you know you're you're grieving the loss of something um and so you know I think some of the practices I would have you do is to just where in your day are you able to voice your needs or meet your own needs right for you. Um, are you giving yourself that time? Do you need a good cry and you just haven't let yourself have it? Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think what else would be really good. Like I'm, I'm getting like the sense of like singing or like, like a lot of like, yes. you know, something like, it's like something needs to come that's up true. and out. It really does. So there's like an expression that's not happening. There's something like that, that, that is, is trapped inside. Um, and maybe. I don't know, but it's like, is it just, you're not giving yourself enough space? I feel like that's the, the part of it that, that it's such a, I don't know, that's such a general statement, but that would be where I would go with you and to, you know, have you just continue like every day, what's, what's one thing I can to voice, you know, my needs or to support myself, to nourish myself. And, and it could be the most minor of things. But where in them, and then you know, nighttime too, to think about your day, reflect, and what what am I willing to let go of so I can have a restful sleep and release the tension, you know, because the the grinding is always um, the point right over the jaw is the translation from the Chinese name is devil's pillow, and it's when we grind, we basically are saying you're going to bed with your demons, you know. So there, you're processing all night. You're just thinking, thinking, thinking all night, and that could then be that you're not getting restful enough sleep. So then the lungs aren't ever healing. You know, this could have been a cold that just you know it, it just keeps um, it doesn't have the chance to heal. But there, there then has to be this emotional piece where you're just not letting yourself fully process something or scared to look at it. Well, yeah, I think you, I think you definitely hit on some, some really great and true points. I, I just want to say um, a couple of things about like my emotional state just to like give a little bit clear of more clarity, which is that first of all, I'm a very, I think with the lungs and the holding on to grief, I'm like a very, very, um, compassionate, empathetic person to the point of like near touch synesthesia, which is like, I actually pick up everything that's in my environment, like a sponge. So I think a lot of my grief holding on has just been actually taken from my um, environment and also a lot of past life situations where I was in, I've had an extensive past life regression and I was, um, had multiple situations where I had not been able to speak my truth or was killed for speaking my truth or something along those lines. So it's a very deep hindrance for me speaking out you know, in this life. And then um, also my my family of origin in this life is very, um, the women are very yeah. much like people That's pleasers, like don't yeah. speak your mind, like just be polite, da, 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 da. So in this life, that was yeah. totally reinforced that I did this whole life. I have not been speaking up. I haven't been speaking for my needs. And also because I am very compassionate and empathetic, I do tend to like in my family situation, tend to kind of go for everyone else's needs and then kind of don't even care about myself. So and you you're know right thing about too. all that you're stuff. You're a mama, right? You have two babies, two or one? Yeah, two. So yeah. This is what I do two. too because it's we we ha- you know we just have a job and then we got to take care of them and and so I try to do it like when I'm making lunch for James or something I I instead of feeling like oh, another you know another thing I have to do and I'm just like rushing through it I try to think about 
it feels good to know how I'm nourishing him today. It feels so good to know that I get to, you know, I get to peel his hair and cut it up and put it in. His, I try to be really in the moment and, 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 and like feel good feeling from this thing that I'm doing for someone else to remind myself that I actually do enjoy this moment, right? This is something I've wanted for a long time in my life and now I get to do it. And, you know, and then the same thing in the, in the home and with my husband, it's like versus, and feeling like these tasks that I have to just check off the box and that could then lead to resentment, you know, just mm-hmm. being in the moment and, and realizing, no, mm-hmm. if I had a choice, I would still choose this. Right. So that might be part of it too, mm-hmm. of just getting that clarity, you know, reminding yourself, like, cause we can't just up and leave everything. That's, that's not it at all. But also another thing I, I sensed when you were talking was just this piece of it's your time to change the story. You know, this people pleaser thing and the Mm -hmm. speaking up thing like that, that's going to be your thing Mm -hmm. in life to then teach your children, right? You're the story ends with you in the sense, right? So it's looking at your family and like, I think a lot of forgiveness, you know, so looking at whoever it is that you still see that people pleasing and it can trigger you or whatever. It's like, Hey, that's what she's got to do. And I, I, you know, I forgive her. There's this forgiveness prayer that I can share with you after we hang up that I just love and I give it to patients all the time. There's this, what's his name? John Newton, I think is his name. And he does a lot of past life regression stuff, but a lot of ancestral healing because he says that, you know, we basically, right. We were in our mom's womb. We got all her stuff and she got all the, her ancestor stuff. So we're carrying all of that. And when we start to Mm -hmm. say forgiveness, um, yeah, for all hurts and wrongs, I forgive, you know, and you like forgive all people, all people forgive me. It just starts to cut those ties. And that's probably it too, that you're actually mm-hmm. like, I, I, I keep seeing like, you're just blossoming up, you know what I mean? So it's almost like you're just being really challenged that you have to let go of these old patterns and, and embrace the new one. And there's probably just some resistance to that. I yeah. completely agree. That's so true. And all my planets are in the, almost all my planets are in the third house, which is the house of communication. So it's very clear to me that this lifetime is all about Mm -hmm. breaking this pattern and and speaking up, you know, so I'm, I'm working on that. And it's actually harder said, easier said than done. Do you know when these are such deep, deep ruts of, of habit through many lifetimes, maybe centuries. So yeah, it's a lot, but But every day it's, you know, I mean, I'm big into this stuff of just, you know, the first thing you think of in the morning is, okay, what's one thing that I can do for myself that's, you know, going to make me feel heard or make me feel like, you know, because it's also in communication, right? How clearly am I communicating my needs? And and am I saying them in a way that I'm still trying to please everybody while getting my needs met instead of just, no, this is what's going to work for me or not. And, you know, but like from a place of, of love mm-hmm. um, and, and full worthiness for yourself, right? So just every day thinking about how you're communicating, um, really just being grounded and centered. And I think too, like speaking from the diaphragm, do you know what I mean? Like that real deep breath in. Um, I think yeah. about that too, like respond rather than react because react, there's no breath, right? So, okay, deep breath in, then I respond. Mm-hmm. And am I being clear? Uh, have I, you know, do I feel good about what I'm saying now? And am I going to feel good about it in, you know, 24 hours from now? And just uh, keep mm-hmm. building with that. And then the other thing is, this is totally a different side. Um, pears are really good for the lung dryness. Um, so eating a pear every day, it was like Asian pears are really good. Um, even, yeah. baking them, even Asian baking pears them with those. a little maple syrup. So it's like a sweet treat. The kids will love it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sour for the liver. Cause I think about that at night for you, like hot water with lemon before bed might really help the liver release some. Mm. And then that could help that the grinding stop. But it's just, it's like, you know, where am I resisting this change? You know, am I really ready to step into my true power? I think that's like the big, the big thing on the plate for you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're right. You got down to it. That's right. And I love Amy, how you, you, you kind of highlighted the power of reframing and how that really allows us an opportunity to choose our perspective on something rather just be a victim right, to it. it. Like, Oh, this is all so overwhelming actually, this is an opportunity to nourish my son. This is an opportunity for me to speak my truth. This is an opportunity for me to implement more balance so that I can start to erode at that story passed down through my lineage of that it's not safe to speak my truth. So that power of reframing is just unbelievable. And 
there is room in everyone's life to to try that tool on. So I really encourage our listeners and you, Jenna, and also myself and everyone to just be go recognize the spaces in your life where there's opportunity for reframe to empower you around the situation. And as Amy said earlier in the podcast, to redirect that thought to create a new circuitry towards health, wholeness, forgiveness, all the yeah. good things in life. Yeah. So that that's I love I love that. And the power of repetition of the new habit, because, you know, if we've, if it takes 10,000 hours to build a neural pathway or whatever, and we have have these neural pathways, which are functioning in um, not optimal ways, like I might have this neural pathway blazed of, it's not safe to right. speak my truth, for example. But sometimes it might take 10, whatever, 10,000 hours of repetition or to, of speaking my truth to really become comfortable in the new habit. So I just, uh, just thinking about really repeating it and just keep, you know, like a mantra almost and just continue to push forward even if it's not exactly immediate. that's it and you know just in that moment of you know am i what am i doing to head me in the direction i want to go in right or what am i doing to keep me exactly where i'm at right so it's just that mm-hmm. every day is this moving me towards where i want to be is this moving me towards you know i love uh, that i love that I always try to start my days just remembering what I'm truly committed to. Like, what is the overarching theme of my life? Is it wholeness, balance, family, and my life's true soul mission that I want to complete? Or is it getting X amount right. in the bank and, you know, getting winning that person's love and whatever no, being you get right. sidetracked yeah. by? Exactly. And each day I will try, say, does this action support my overall true commitment does this word does this conversation does this choice does this piece of food does that friendship support what i'm truly committed to because a lot of the time we just get so distracted by the, the drama and the stories and the the little the eager reactions to things that we actually sidestep and we step backwards from what we know we're truly committed to so I love, Amy, that you highlighted. It's a practical thing as well. Having an intentional plan and context of your days and your life to make sure that everything's in alignment with what's truly important to you and your health and all of that. That's why the key, I think, is self-observation, to just recognize where you need to work, place the work emotionally and physically and start to make those very clear intentional actions and action plan and diet and emotions and friendship, whatever it is, to start chipping away at that to get full balance. And that leads me to my question. Seems though we're we're exploring how emotional and physical and spiritual are all equally as important as each other to create this full internal external balance. What are some ways that you keep your emotional, spiritual, and physical bodies in check to make sure that they're all getting love and they're all keeping cleaned out and they're all keeping on track? You can just throw like some super simple tools out to us because I know that our audience will want to walk away going, okay, yeah, I didn't think of that. I can apply that each day or you know, this practice, my spiritual body or whatever it may be. So I'm interested, Amy, in your personal approaches to keep One thing I love to do is just to ask myself, um, how can I better support you? How can I better nourish you? You know, I try to breathe quietly slash meditate maybe before I ask the question. So even just five minutes of silence and then I ask the question and I just listen for the answer. 99% of the time, (laughs) the answer is slow down, uh, you know, just be more present. And, and so I, I do that too. I talk about this one thing I do all the time in the clinic, especially, or, you know, if I have a busy day of coaching clients is, um, I think we all do this. I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking, am I going to be on time for my four o'clock call? And, oh gosh, should I prepare for that? Well, I'm on my two o'clock call. Do you know what I mean? Like there's that thought that comes in. And so I have this, um, I call it instant reconnect, but I just say, Amy, where are you? You know, in my head, silently to myself, where are you? And then I say, oh, right, I'm right here right now. I'm, you know, I'm 
I'm recording this podcast with Amber and Jenna, you know, and so I, it brings me right back rather than thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, at four o'clock I have X, you know, so it just, this, it just swooshes me right back in. And then even, you know, when I'm with, when I'm with my child, just that moment of, am I really with him or am I thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner? And, you know, uh, once he gets to bed, you know, like all these things. And so I just try to be with him, you know, when I'm in that moment and, and with my husband, it's, you know, can be so quick to react. I, I, I do that. You know, what I said to Jenna just before about, you know, take that deep diaphragm breath in and then speak, you know, so it's respond rather than react. But I find all of that's really a lot easier for me to do if I give myself my morning, you know, meditation time, and sometimes that meditation just looks like me listening to a guided meditation while I'm commuting into the city on the train or something. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm in like the Zenden um, with a candle lit. And sometimes it is, you know, uh, that, that I do have that space, you know, before it was, I knew I had, you know, the call with you guys and, um, I, you know, picked up James from school and then I said, I'm going to go and do 30 minutes of yoga. Like, I just know I need that for today and I'm going to get that in. And, and it could have only been 20 minutes, but it's those things that, what am I doing to nourish me? And, you know, I think about that with my food. What are, what are my choices to nourish me versus just grabbing the first thing and running out the door or on the go? I really, you know, and when I'm eating, I, I try to, find gratitude at least in one or two of the bites for the food right so it's just little little things like that throughout the day that just keep me as present and as connected as possible and and that you know that that helps so much it just does but i i of course have my moments and i love how you make it spontaneous you know yeah, uh, everything's different. different. It's always, you know, and so sometimes, yeah, I need to just schedule a meeting with my coach or I need to go to my therapist. I mean, it, you know, it just depends. Some things are bigger. Um, reach out to a friend and ask for help. You know, recently I kind of broke up with a friend and I, that was a really challenging thing to do, but it was something that I just, it was nagging at me and I knew I needed to just kind of walk away a bit. I've never done anything like that in my life, but it was something that, you know, I, I had to honor and listen to. And, um, you know, so it, it, some days are bigger than others and, and some, you know, some are just little tiny, but it's just stealing that time for myself. And then also when, if I feel resentment or anger or frustration, the why I really try to get to the why behind it. And, um, you know, I forget it was, I had a team call. I had like a gynecologist appointment a couple of weeks ago and the scale was like, I don't weigh myself, you know, and I, and I love my body, but the scale read a number that I, I didn't like. And, um, and the next thing you know, I'm on a team call and I'm like snapping at my one girl and I'm not, so not like that. And all of a sudden I took this deep breath and I said, I'm really sorry. I think I'm very frustrated. I'm holding on to this number that was on the scale and it, it pissed me off. And now I'm taking, I took that anger and frustration into this meeting. So give me a couple seconds. And, you know, and, and they really appreciated it. And I, I reframed myself and it was like, she wasn't doing anything quote unquote wrong. Um, I just came into the meeting with, you know, a real thorn in my side. And so just to sit with myself and say, that's not my normal disposition to be frustrated or snippy. And so why, what is the why behind it? And and I feel like when I understand that, then I can witness it and express it. And then usually it shifts and leaves. Oh, I, I, I think that's so powerful what you just said around giving yourself space to, to, to answer the question. Cause I feel like that in itself, and that could take the form, like you said, of meditation. It could take the form of yoga. It could take the form of just having that breath before you respond. But that kind of, um, it, it kind of can bring you down to the emotional root of the, of the issue versus just, you know, going with the surface. And so I think that I know your original question, Amber, was what are some practices that we can use to, to start to get down to the root of our emotional issues and or, of our physical issues manifest or emotional issues manifesting physically. And I feel like just giving ourselves space to connect with our higher self and for that wisdom to come through it is, is so crucial. Just, just and I love how you're starting the, with the, the why. 
right. And then another thing a coach of mine from forever ago used to say is, how is this serving me? And I do that a lot with my, you know, my coaching clients and any of my students or, or clinic clients, anything where, you know, they're frustrated with this health condition that's going on. And then I say, now I want you to ask yourself, how is this serving me on the good side and the not so good side? Because there's both. You're getting, you're getting something mm-hmm. from it, both sides. How is it serving you? And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that can sometimes sound like we're blaming ourselves and that's never what I want to sound like. It's just more for you to sit back and what is your connection to this in the not so good way and in the good way? And what are you getting out of it? Because you're getting something. So I how are you that. perpetuating it or unwilling to shift it? So how is this serving me? And mm-hmm. I love that. I also think it's a matter of being aware of how to decode your physical symptoms and understand this concept that it can be related to an emotional root. Like last year or maybe the year before, I had a massive, massive emotional breakdown in my relationship. And all of a sudden my eyes were going fuzzy. Like out of, I've always had perfect vision. And then out of nowhere, my eyes were getting foggy and they were hurting and itchy and, and red and stinging. And it's like, I, and I said to myself, it's so strange. It's like, mm-hmm. I can't see. I just, I can't see anymore. And the more I, I said that to myself, I stopped and I said, wait, what is my body trying to tell me? What is this physical symptom leading me towards as an emotional route that I can take responsibility for, for clearing. And I'll be interested to do the experiment and see if I tackle the emotional issue, if my sight will start to clear up. So I said to myself, like trying to, I'm just speaking out loud here, how I decoded what my body was pointing me towards. And I'm like, what do I Mm -hmm. not want to see? What has just happened or what is in my life that is so confronting that I just don't want to see it? I just don't want to know what's happening. I don't want to see it. And then I said, it is no mistake that a week ago, my eyesight was fine. And then a week ago, something so crazy happened in my relationship that forced me to look at something that I just did. It was too confronting for me to look at. And so in that pocket was the key that was going to unlock the imbalance within myself and the blockage within myself. And even though it may be related to, it's easy for the ego to say that happened to me. Maybe, just maybe on some higher level, I manifested that issue in my relationship happening in order for me to crack through to the next level of practicing forgiveness, practicing reframing, practicing taking responsibility of, of my involvement of what my partner may be mirroring that I need to heal within myself and also to understand like I can focus on that emotional release in order to heal myself from this really scary issue that has popped up with my sight and sure enough after a shitload of counseling (laughs) and a lot of unwinding the roots of of the the inner ways we are and how that manifests manifests in the outer worlds only then my eyesight started to clear up I like went as far as to go get glasses the whole thing like thinking what is going on and then sure enough my eyesight's back after a lot of inner work and a lot of Mm -hmm. emotional understanding and unwinding and healing and then my physicality has shifted so Wow. All about decoding, you know, like recognizing that this is actually a blessing, reframing it as an opportunity to investigate into what is being beckoned to be healed and what is being beckoned to be released in order for you to up your evolutionary game, your consciousness, your health, your relationship, your everything. So I agree with you, Amy. It's it's all you know, it's all happening for a reason on some level and we have to reframe it as an opportunity, but you got to know how to decode. That's, well, that's thing. it too. <laughs> and just slowing down enough to, you know, tune into it. Um, you know, what is the role I'm playing here and how can I help myself? How am I getting in my own, my own way? And yeah, what is my body trying to say to me? I mean, I think every physical symptom is an opportunity for us to say, what is my body trying to say to me? 
And, you know, like, like the headache girl mm-hmm. we talked about at the very beginning. I mean, she, you know, she literally said exactly, I'm carrying too much. I feel like I'm just carrying too much on my shoulders, you know? And it was, well, that's, you know, that's and she kind of laughed when she said it because she realized what she said. And I was like, we could just remove the head. I mean, that's one option or, <laughs> or, <laughs> Oh, we can work yeah. with what we got. We can leave the human life. I think that's something. And this is. Go ahead. You wrote a. I know, Amy, you wrote a book on this. I Before we wrap up, because we're just about out of time, I would love you to give us an insight into your book that is based on everything we've been talking about and decoding the body's um, Yes, I love this book. It's called Body Belief. Um, it's how to heal autoimmune diseases, uh, radically shift your health and learn to love your body more. But it's really for anyone. You don't have to have an autoimmune disease. You might just have some physical symptoms that you can't really fix or get to the root of. And this is the book for you. I, I give you, it's three pillars in the book. And the first pillar is about reconnecting to yourself. So I give you tips and tools and strategies on how to do that. So a lot of what we were talking about today and then the second pillar is renewing your beliefs. So I give you tools on, on A, you're reconnected. So you're starting to hear the conversation you're having and what your thoughts are and then how to begin to shift those. And so that's the rewiring of the brain piece. And then the third pillar is reawaken, which there's diet and lifestyle tip um, and you know, this whole body healing process to get you to live your your best life and, and truly learn to love yourself more, learn to meet yourself with compassion and kindness. Um, and, you know, we've been getting great feedback on the book. It's amazing. Um, I love it. It was my first book with Hay House and it's, it's just been a real, a real joy to have written it and to reach so many people and see the impact because there's very, I, I don't see a lot of books out there in the space that are getting people to um, really work on that belief system piece as well. There's either books on belief systems or there's books on physical symptoms. You know what I mean? And so pull it all together into mm-hmm. one. And, you know, cause I do believe that, you know, a lot of people will heal just with the diet, but they're not going to get to their fullest potential, right? Unless they tap into that mental emotional piece as well. Usually the symptoms come back Uh if they just do it with the diet and don't really face the emotional component. Wow. Well, you have just blessed the world with such an incredible tool. So thank you so much for writing that book and giving people a resource to really get to the root of their issues and as you said step into their best life ever wow thank you amy so much and i would love for you to share where can our audience follow your story or get hold of your book a session with you tell us your website your instagram and how sure, you can head over to amyraup.com it's a-i-m-e-e-r-a-u-p-p and then on there you can find me through uh you can click over to my facebook or my instagram i tend to do a lot on both those uh, social media pages and instagram stories are my favorite where i share lots of my everyday life and things things like this conversation too what i'm going through how i manage life and um you know and i'm always there to inspire and and ignite hope and i do uh facebook live every thursday at noon on my page and i also stream to instagram and that's really fun we pick different health topics every week so we're constantly there to educate and inspire and really give you back the power over your health amazing and we're going to link all of your social media and your book and everything to the show notes so it's going to be easier for our listeners to find well, thank you so much for being on today, Amy. We just absolutely loved having you and having this conversation with you. And um, so I was wondering, Amy, if you had an invitation to offer to our listeners to see if they, um, something that our listeners could do to sort of head them in the right direction, just a little thing. Um, if you Do you have any inspiration in that direction? For them, yeah. <laughs> I have one if you don't feel like giving giving an invitation out. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think it's what we were talking about. I mean, I invite you to every day ask yourself that simple question of how can I better support you? Am I on your team or am I against you, right? So this this idea of of getting back in sync with the, the mind-body, you know, so just start to notice, are you your own enemy or are you your own cheerleader? Beautiful. That's a, that's a good one. 
And I would like to also add to that just for a little bit of fun homework. If anyone is experiencing a physical issue that is repetitive or that has just come in a particularly stressful time, ask yourself what your body is trying to tell you. Really take a step back and try connect some dots and ask yourself, is there an emotional issue that I could focus on and release and heal and come to terms with that may just um, help this physical manifestation relieve itself? So let us know how you go. It's exciting. Highway to healing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much to everyone who tuned in for this episode. We will see you next week. And if you love this episode, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. Share this episode if you think it could help others. Um, We're all in this together. We're on the highway to healing together and can't wait to go get there with you guys. So thank you so much and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you so much, Amy.